Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford stepping up, throwing left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and we're in day, I couldn't even tell you, of shelter in place here in Michigan as a lot of the days run together. But this podcast episode is brought to you by Bet Online. If you are home and you want something to do, go on betonline.ag and if you you put money in, they'll give you a 100% welcome bonus with the code BLUEWIRE. So check them out at betonline.ag. And listen, there hasn't been much going on in the world of sports. A couple of things have happened with the Lions since we last talked on Thursday. They re-signed Ode Abushi, the offensive lineman who was really one of their reserves last year. And... You have to figure at this point he will possibly at least contend for a starting guard job. I still think that the likely starter at right guard or left guard, depending what they do with Joe Dahl, is not yet on the roster, be it either a later on signing or perhaps a draft pick. But Mabushi at least is going to clearly get a shot here along with guys like Russell Bodine and Ben and Bo Benchwall, and some of the other players who are kind of hanging out there on the roster, but none of them have really stood out at all throughout their careers. Joshua Garnett, the former first-round pick from San Francisco, is another person who I think sometimes people forget is on the roster, but he could end up being a contender for that spot. And listen, I don't think Joe Joe Dahl's spot is locked in there at guard either, I think there's going to be a lot of competition at both those guard spots. They seem pretty set at tackles with Taylor Decker and V, and then at center, obviously, with Frank Ragnow. But we'll see what happens with the Lions beyond that. They've also made a bunch of kind of special teams level signings when you look at linebacker Elijah Lee and then wide receiver Jeremy Davis. I think that. When you look at Davis, right now, if I'm a guy like Chris Lacey, clearly I'm going to get pushed there, possibly for the fifth wide receiver spot. Still think the top three are pretty well locked in with Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, and obviously Kenny Galladay. Marvin Hall would seem to have a spot as the fourth receiver on the roster, but who knows at this point. Still think the Lions go after a receiver in the draft, and maybe that pushes a lot of those guys either down or possibly off of the roster. Elijah Lee, the linebacker from San Francisco, again, more of a special teams guy. 
So for someone like, say, Steve Longa or Jason Cabinda or even Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Reeves-Mabin entering a contract year, those guys are special teams first linebackers. And that's really what Lee is. So you have to wonder if they're really trying to find more speed there and more competition there, at least when it comes to the linebacker spot. And then finally, they also signed Reggie Ragland, the former second round pick out of Alabama, yet another Alabama defensive player for Detroit. Where he ends up interesting is whether he ends up being more a rotational backer, kind of a backup linebacker for every spot, or if he ends up pushing somebody like, I don't know, maybe Christian Jones. Maybe Christian Jones ends up being the backup linebacker for them. Obviously, they gave him enough of a guarantee that they want him, meaning Christian Jones. We haven't seen Reggie Ragland's contract yet. But when I look at that situation, Reggie Ragland is an interesting piece to me. I think he's a player that could end up getting some playing time on this roster. And I think it could also say where they maybe want to play Jared Davis. Do they want him more on the edge? Do they want him maybe rotating with Jamie Collins? Do they want to move Jamie Collins everywhere and have Reggie Ragland as kind of a backstop for Tavai and for Davis? There's a lot of questions that are still yet to be answered. Obviously, we'll get those answers in the coming months. I don't want to say weeks at this point, but in the coming months, since right now we have no idea whether or not there's going to be any off-season activities and when training campers will start or anything like that, as so much still ends up unknown. We'll be back right after this with our guest tonight, former Michigan wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. Just to be clear, we recorded this a few weeks ago back when he was still supposed to have a pro day and we recorded this at Regents Field where we usually do our recordings. So if some of this sounds a little bit weird in the context of things now, that's why. But we'll be back right after this break with former Michigan receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones to talk all about his life and his journey to the NFL Draft. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. And be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I'd like to welcome my next guest to the Michael Rothstein Show. He played at Michigan for three seasons now. He's going into the NFL draft. He is one of the more explosive receivers in the draft. Donovan Peoples-Jones, welcome to the Michael Rothstein Show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump in right here. What's this process been like for you? Because, I mean, I've talked to so many prospects over the years, and all of them, besides describing it as incredibly long and arduous and tedious and they're ready for it to be done like they all have different experiences so what's it been like for you I've enjoyed it um meeting and getting to talk with a lot of different people and um, people that you know you wouldn't have met without doing or going through the process um it's been really good for me and really helpful who who's maybe 
the person you met that you were like, whoa, I actually met that person? Or like you were like, uh, surprised to like talk with them? or um, Probably Jarvis Landry. Really? Mm-hmm. What, where'd you meet him? What did you say to him? I met him at a training facility in Florida. Um, he was just talking me through some things, helping me out with some things, and um, just giving me perspective from, you know, his side of things. What did what were you asking him? What what's the best piece of advice maybe that he gave you? Um, just how to handle the whole situation, how to, you know, my my timeline of things, you know, what they'll be looking for a pro day, what they'll be looking for after. Um just giving me little tips here and there. How long were you talking with him? Like was it a pretty decent conversation or just a couple minutes or Oh uh, yeah, a couple minutes and I've seen him a few days, so yeah. Have you actually worked out with him then or has it been has it been just conversations at the facility? Pretty much just conversations at the facility. What's what was the combine like for you? Because obviously you had you had goals going in there and that was about a month ago now mm-hmm. and you, you ran pretty well there, so it seemed like what were your goals going in and how did that go? Oh uh, yeah, my goals were high for every event, everything that I did. Um went in there. I felt that I did pretty well. Um obviously I wanted to run faster, but um, you know, I'm not not mad at a four four, but Everything went well, um, doing all of the testing throughout the week, meeting the coaches and scouts that we were working with, um, even getting the chance to meet some of the players that I haven't met before went well, too. Was there a play, who'd you Usually they put you in rooms with people. Who were you rooming with? Malcolm Perry. Did you know Malcolm much at all? No, yeah. sir. So what was that like? Is that, like, awkward? Because obviously this is, like, a massive job interview, and you're like, all right, I'm staying with a dude I've never met before. And, like, like is that what's that like? I feel like it could be awkward. He was uh, really cool, kind of just like myself, so um, that made it really easy. What? So when you're going, th- what was the weirdest part you think of the combine for you? Because every every guy says like some of it's pretty strange. Like they're just like it's really different. Um, I'm not sure if I can answer that. Really? No sir. Were there any weird questions you got? Was there anything like that? Like where you're just like, oh, all right, that's I've never been asked that before. Um, no, nothing like that. Just, um, nothing that, no, nothing that I wasn't prepared for. Nothing that, you know, I hadn't seen before. So when you're kind of going through this process, has there been something so far that stood out to you the most? I mean, obviously you're still a month out from the draft, Mm -hmm. but is there part of this that's, you've been like, all right, that's maybe the coolest thing or that's, that, that was the thing I was most looking forward to. Um, just getting a chance to meet and interact with, you know, some of the people who you've seen on TV and seen in sports for many years and have them, you know, give some feedback and, you know, able to just be around them. Um, probably the biggest moment was talking with Chris Carter um, at the Combine. And he's a really great guy. Um, enjoyed meeting with him, enjoyed talking with him. And that's probably my biggest, you know, wow moment. Did you remember watching Chris Carter growing up? Like, did you fanboy out a little bit? I did. I did. I was so young that I watched him, like, when I was really, really young. Um, And once I got into more football, he was pretty much done playing. But, no, I mean, I'm always watching the NFL network, and they're playing reruns, and they're playing, you know, older films and talking about everything, the greatest of all time. And um, It was just a pleasure to meet him. Did you fanboy out at all? Or, like, were you just like, oh, my God, Chris Carter? Or were you just, like, playing it cool or, like? Nah, I mean, I was just getting to know him, um, letting him get a chance to get to know me and just asking him some, you know, beneficial questions. Well, what do you think this next month is going to be like? Because by the time this runs, Pro Day is going to be over. You're maybe going to have some top 30 visits and workouts and whatever. But other than that, it's literally waiting. What's Is is that, you think, when it's going to be like just anticipation and do you have plans for like this next month? Um, No, um, I think it'll be 
think it'll go as planned. Um, have some workout scheduled, have some interviews and meetings scheduled, visits. Um, and then after that, you know, just get back to working, get back to training, um, preparing for, you know, training camp, not, you know, not the draft. So you know, the draft will happen on its own, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking to play football in a couple months. So. Are you glad that you never have to, in theory, run a 40 again? Um, no, I'm not, because I think if I ran it again, I would run faster. So <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't say that. So you might be the first person I've ever talked to that is like, I wish I could have done it. I could do that again. You do realize that, right? Yes. Okay, like that's just, it's a rarity. Like like most guys are like, I never want to do any of that Olympic <laughs> training again. I just want to play football. Yeah. Like. So as some people don't know this, and you've talked a little bit about Jarvis Landry, but you do have a relationship with Darius Slay. And just walk some people walk me through like how that started and what that what that's been like and, and maybe even how that's evolved since you declared for the draft. So yeah, it's been it's crazy. He came to one of my high school games a long time ago. Um, I think you know we saw him tweet like on a Wednesday or Thursday night, like yeah, who, you know who's going to be playing this game? And we were playing Fortson. It was in the playoffs, and I think someone in the comments said like Cavs versus Fortson, and he said yeah, okay, like yeah, I'm there. And um, we saw that a couple of days before the game. And I saw it because, you know, I, I watch corners. And I watch receivers in the NFL. I'm big fans of them. And it started with that. Um, came to watch me play. I was even – I remember being in the game and looking in the stands and seeing him, him and his wife. So that was really cool. Got the chance to meet him afterwards. Um, and then it, it kind of just, like, spiraled from there. Um, followed, followed each other on social media. Um, you know, he's interacted with me on there. Um, always been like very supportive of me. I ran into him a few different times in Detroit. Um, I actually ran into him yesterday as well. Um, and he's always been just a guy who is giving back to the community. You know, he is, he isn't from here or anything. He's just an inspiration to all the young football players around. And I think he's more inspiring because he actually gives back and actually takes the time to interact with the youth. You, you actually mentioned, like, you've run into him a few times. You told me, you, did you run into him at a concert, too? Yeah. Yeah, I ran into him at a concert. Yep. Like, is it came to the point where it's like, all right, this is kind of getting weird, like I keep seeing you over and over again? Or No, it, it hasn't. It's just, um, it's he, he he's around, you know. Yeah. Some guys are like, yeah, they're a superstar, and, you know, you never get to see him, you never get to talk to him. But, you know, he's a superstar, and, yeah, he's at the high school games. He's at the college games. He's at the, you know college basketball games he's, he's around like this is what he does you can tell he's a genuine person and um just likes to have a good time i remember when we were talking about this back in november you had said that he had influenced you and kind of because of that you ended up starting to do that on your own as well like has that continued like did you start doing that in florida when you were training in florida or like what what's that been like for you as far as how that influenced you yeah he just treats everybody the same um even if he doesn't know you you know reaching out to people and reaching out to younger athletes and um, you know, I, I always see him on social media. He's taking pictures with guys, and you know, doesn't seem like he ever says no to that type of stuff. And um, that's inspiring because it it can like be weird if you have a superstar, you know, all these things about him, and then when you meet him in person, it's like ah, like you know, he wasn't that nice to me, or you know, he he didn't treat people well. But you know, you can never say that about Darius. Like, yeah, has that changed how you've treated people? in some ways, or, or maybe accentuated it a little bit? Oh, I, I think it definitely accentuated it um, a little bit. Uh, it's something that, you know, I would want to be portrayed in the way that he's portrayed, so um, I definitely like that quality about him. So let's go back m- deeper into kind of you. When did you first play football? Six years old. Six years old. I played for the Southfield Ravens. Um, 
Yeah, I played tight end. Really? Yeah. Were you just bigger at that point? Or, like, was just every kid small and they just were like, we're going to put you here? Like, how do you end up playing tight end? That's an odd position for... Yeah, it was playing at six. I think that was like the easiest route for the quarterback to throw. Um, it might have been a little bit hard for a six-year-old to throw like a slant or a go ball to an outside receiver. So I had little out routes, and you know I went to help blocking, and I was a little I'm strong, so um, helping run support, you know, help with getting passes thrown my way, so everything. So were you a bigger kid at that point, or were you just kind of like like you said that was just I you had maybe the best hands, so they just put you there because. A six-year-old quarterback's probably not throwing 15 yards downfield. I was a bigger kid for my age, but I played about two, three years up. Yeah. So I was pretty much their size. Um, yeah, I was like six playing with eight and nine-year-olds. So I wasn't bigger than them, but I was bigger than pretty much every six-year-old. Wait, all right. So what's that like at six playing with – because you, I'm assuming you don't know most of those kids, right? Like it's not like you're going to school and like in class in like first grade with them too. Yeah. You? Um. It was cool. On the football field, it made me tougher, made me um, be able to be more competitive out there. Um, you know, it was th- – those guys were – some of them were better than me, and, you know, that pushed me to do, you know, little things and want to compete out there. And I wasn't just playing against my age group, dominating them. So it was fun. At what point do you start playing with your age group, or does that – do you kind of play up, play up until high school in some ways? Well, I don't think that ever stops. I think, you know, even in middle school, if you're a sixth grader and you're good enough, you're playing with the seventh and eighth graders. If you're in high school and you're good enough as a ninth grader, you're playing on varsity with 11 and 12th graders. And even in college, if you're a good freshman, you're playing, you know, with guys who are 21, 22 years old. So, and even in the league, you know, rookie year, you're playing with guys with 35 with family. So, I don't think that ever really stops. Um, So, so you've always kind of done that, though. Yes, sir. Do, do you think that that advanced you as a player faster than if you had played against guys your own or boys, I guess, at that point your own age? I think so because I wasn't, you know, like I said earlier, I wasn't just dominant over everybody, you know. I had my traits and guys had their traits, but overall it just wasn't like, you know, this kid is just way bigger, faster, stronger, you know, than, than everyone else, and it wasn't like that. When did you realize you were good? Um, I'm not sure I can really answer that. I mean, I don't think, you know, I'm a very humble person. and I like to just work on the things that I'm not as good at um, try to get them to be at the level of the things I am good at. So um, I wouldn't say there was, like, a certain point where I realized I'm good. Um, you know, it was cool to get, have all the accolades in high school and college. So um, I guess you could say around there. So, yeah, so there wasn't, like, a time, like, when you were, like, in seventh grade and you are just, like, dominating people that you were just, like, Damn. Well, I mean, there wasn't a time. I mean, ever since I picked up the football, I've loved to play. It's something I've always loved to do. Um, it's something that's always been fun for me. Like you said, you, you had a lot of accolades in high school. You're a five-star. Some people said you were the best receiver in Michigan since Charles Rogers. Like, th- those, that was 15, in, what, 15 years. So you heard some of those things. What was that like for you at Cass while your star kind of rose and while you were starting to get more attention? Um, I didn't know what a lot of that stuff meant. Um, I'm not sure that it really, you know, was I, – I don't know what that stuff meant. Um, my high school coach, you know, he would always point out to the things that I'm not doing as well, you know, and not have me, you know, all the way up here, you know, where, where I'm 
have many things to work on just like everybody else. So um, never was in a position to like get the big head or, you know, he, he tried to always keep me um, as far away from complacent as possible. Was that important? Do you think that that was important to your development in some ways? Because some places, like in some schools, they'll be like, oh, you're, you're the big thing, you're the big thing, you know, and, and kind of treat you like that. Do you think that the fact that your coach at Castec didn't do that maybe helped you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and not just with football, um, with everything, you know, even school. A lot of guys, you know, maybe they're the star players and, you know, they don't have to do school or they don't have to, you know, treat people well or all of these um, life things that, you know, everybody has to do as a as a human, not just a football player. Um, it helped me focus on those things. Um, I was always a big academic guy. I was always a, you know, off the field, just a good character guy. Too. What was your favorite subject in school? Um, looking back... I really like math and science. Um, I was studying biology, so I was heavy math and science related courses. Like in high school? High school and college. So, like, how do you get in a bio? Like, how do you get in a bio? Then was there some a class, a teacher you had that really inspired you? Was it like a TV show you watched as a kid? Was it? Uh, well, my dad was an orthopedic surgeon. I think that plays the biggest role in why uh, I went into studying medicine and went into biology and went, went into taking my pre-med prerequisites. So do you, okay, just to kind of follow on that, do you want to be a doctor then at some point? Like when football's over, is, would you go to med school or is that even a thought? Or That's something I'm still thinking about. Um, not 100% sold, but I've, I've put in the work to do that if I do want to. It, so at what point do you kind of commit to that? Because that's not an, pre-med's not exactly a, a layup sort of degree, a layup sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Like what? At what point you say, you know what, I'm going to do this even though it's going to be freaking hard? I feel like whenever you're ready to um, put up with the class load, whenever you're ready to put up with fulfilling all the prerequisites, um, I feel like you can do it at any time. You know, Some guys do it right out of college. Some guys wait and you know are just as well off. So um, I think it depends on the person. Obviously, you did leave school early. We're, we're jumping ahead a, li- a little bit here, but you did leave school early. How far are you de- from your degree at this point? Since, um, like you said, pre-med. I'm about 20 credits away. Do you have a plan? To f- some, guys le- some guys, when they leave, are like, I'm coming back the summer after my rookie year, to fin- or the semester after my rookie year finish. Some guys are like, I'm going to finish in three years. Some guys, like Matthew Stafford's like, ah, I don't know if I'm ever going back. Like, wh- do you have a plan already in place? Like, is that something you had to like, promise your parents before you left? Or? Yeah, I definitely have a plan. definitely plan on getting my degree. Do you, ha- like, so you, do you know exactly when you want to do that yet, or is that... Soon. Soon. Uh, <laughs> you're, getting, you're good at the, like, cagey answer on that. Was, so going back to kind of before you got to Michigan, what was that recruitment like? Because you were such a highly coveted player out of high school. It was cool. Um, it was, like, a blessing because I had guys um, years ahead of me you know, who went through the same process. And watching them, you know, in middle school and, you know, watching all of these guys from Cass Tech go D1 and, you know, this guy's going to Michigan State. This guy's going to Michigan. This guy's going, you know, out west. This guy's going down south. It was like, wow, that's cool, you know. And then when it was my turn, it's kind of like, you know, okay, now you're the next in line. It wasn't anything that I wasn't prepared for because I, I had seen it every year. Um, we used to take these bus tours. It started for me in ninth grade, and we would go. One year we went to Tennessee. We went to Auburn. We went to Alabama. We went to Florida. went to Florida State. So, I was in the car with, you know, ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, and 
it was always something that I, I had seen and I had been exposed to. So that was cool, um, doing that, not just by myself. I had some friends who, who were going with me, had some friends who were, you know, in a higher position than me. So I was able to learn from their experiences. Um, so, yeah, everything was just great. So did that happen through CAS? Was that something that, like, DPS did? No, that's something that Thomas Wilcher and Jermaine Crowell, my high school coaches, did. So, what, like, that first trip, as, like you said, as a freshman, or, you know, I guess it was ninth grade, like, was that eye-opening to you? Like, and where did you go then? Was that when you went to Tennessee and, and Auburn and those places, or was that a different trip? I think that was 10th grade where I went to Tennessee, okay. or maybe even 11th. But I know 9th grade, I definitely went to, we went to um, North Carolina, we went to um, UNC, North Carolina. We went to NC State, and we went to Miami. And that that trip was crazy. I was on... I was in the ninth grade, and I, we were on a trip with, like, 11th graders, and it was only a couple of us ninth graders. And it was, like, a 12-passenger 12 12 passenger van, and, you know, we drove the whole thing. <laughs> drove the whole thing. It, like, ended up taking us 23 hours to get to Miami, but we didn't do it just a straight shot. You know, it was, like, eight hours to North Carolina and you know, another eight hours to, like, Tallahassee, another eight hours from Tallahassee to Miami, so... We, we, we split it up. We went on different camps. We went on different tours. Um, we had fun with just us. Um, you know, those type of trips were fun. Those type of trips were the things that made high school so memorable. So when you go on those trips, like, are, do you go and you're going to, like, football camps along the way? So, like, they plan it, like, okay, UNC's football camp is X day and X day, then Florida State's X day and X day, Miami's X day and X day. Yep, we tried to hit all the football camps, so. You know, we'd have a football camp on Saturday, football camp on Sunday, you know, maybe travel all on Monday, football camp on Tuesday. Um, and we would camp, we would meet all of the coaches, we would um, tour the facility, and it was just nice. It was eye-opening, like you said. Um, just to be there, to be around, you know, your big brother figures, watch them, you know. It was a point where I was in eighth and ninth grade, you know, I'm watching guys get offers, and they're coming back like, yeah, I just got offered by Tennessee. And, it's like, yo, that's crazy. Like, this is what you see, guys getting scholarships. And to see that and then, you know, to become a part of that same train was just a blessing. So when you're in the 12-passenger van, how many kids are in there? And, like, what's the – I can't imagine that's particularly fun. Or, like, what do you guys do to pass 12 hours? Just make jokes, listen to music, um, get to know guys. Guys just talking. Um Anything, you know, just like a, a a time out with your boys, you know, whatever people do to kill time, you know, we're in the car talking with our coaches and, you know, they're giving us tips and, you know, making fun of the younger guys. And, you know, I was a younger guy and the older guys making fun of the younger guys, but then, you know, still had enough respect to, to know that, you know, yeah, you know, he's a good player, you know, he's he's going to do everything and we're going to do everything for him as well. So it was um a, a great mentoring experience. Were those camps good tests for you? Because, like you said, I mean, you've kind of never necessarily believed that you were good, but you go to these camps and there's more guys around from different areas of the country, you know, before the spark camps and all that. Does that tell you a little bit more of, like, where you maybe stand if, when you're going against guys that you've never played against, never seen? Um, it could. It could. I would always just focus on me and how could I get better. Um, it's always fun competing with guys and traveling the country. And, you know, I would always hear, you know, yeah, Florida's got the best players. And, you know, down south players are the fastest players. And then you go down there and run faster than everybody else. It's like, you know, we got some talent up here too. 
when did that ha- do you remember where that happened where you was like hmm, all right i just beat everybody cool well different camps um different camps nike opening was one oh that was pretty big for me but just all along high school you know cast tech had a lot of great players and our coaches did a wonderful job of preparing us and we were able to see it i think that's the biggest thing we were able to see it i was watching you know jordan lewis and you know all the guys who were in front of me do everything that I, I ended up doing. So you obviously you mentioned, you know, you're going to Tennessee, you're going to Florida State, you're going to Auburn. What made you stay home? Because you clearly could have gone probably almost anywhere in the country. Yeah. I wanted to go to Michigan. Um, I did. I um, Academically, athletically, um, from a social standpoint, um, I feel like it was the best environment for me. Um, academics was pretty – pretty big for me. Um, we had a great program. Um, and, you know, everything about the school is really, really good. Was there, where else at that point, like, where did it come down to in the end? Like, wh- or was it literally you were just sold on Michigan from the jump? Um, I was never sold on anywhere. I wanted to get all of my information. I wanted to visit every school. I wanted to know everything about everybody before I made a decision. Um, so when I picked Michigan, you know, I was just... I was happy about it. Um, I felt comfortable. Um, I still feel comfortable that, with that this day. Almost every athlete I've ever talked to that's been in the NFL has some sort of weird recruiting story or something. They're just like, yeah, that was different. That was, that was something. Or, like, that was really funny. Like, what's the weirdest recruit thing happened to you during the entire recruiting process? Weirdest? Um, or funniest or just something that was, like, different? Yeah, um... I don't know. It was kind of cool. Um, I, I took a visit to Michigan. I think I was on my official visit or something. And Harbaugh, um, it was a snowstorm. It was a terrible snowstorm, like 10 inches of snow. And we were stuck up here, me and my mom. And, you know, Ubers were like three hours away. And everybody was snowed in. And, you know, we wouldn't get, end up getting home for six hours. And he was like, really? Like, oh, okay, I can take you. And, you know, he took us, and it took us, like, I live about an hour away. He took us a good two and a half hours. But, um, you know, he did take us, and we, we got there, and it was crazy because there was no one on the roads, and we were driving about 15, 20 miles an hour on the highway. Um, but, you know, he did that for us, and you know, he got us home safely. Who, Harbaugh drove you? Yes, sir. So, like, was he? did you have to, like, tip him, like, as an Uber driver, or no? <laughs> no, no, sir. So, when he does, I mean – as odd as it, does that sell you on it in some ways too the fact that he would do that because not every coach necessarily would would do that yeah no like you said that definitely sold us um showed the type of person he is you know um you, you have to do what you have to do and that showed it um showed that he was committed to me committed to you know my family so you come to Michigan and you play right away what's that like as a freshman coming in like you said you've been playing up your whole whole life but that's a different level at that point yeah, um, something that I always imagined. I always imagined, you know, contributing as a freshman. I always imagined, you know, potentially getting that first touchdown in the big house. And when it happened, it's like, like, dang, did that really just happen? You know, I, I watched my first touchdown all the time, that punt return versus Air Force. And, like, at the moment, I was just, like, running. Like, I caught the ball. I was just running, trying to run away from everybody. And then before I knew it, like, I was in the end zone. And, like, I didn't even know what to do. Like, if you look at it, I'm just looking around like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to do. I never practiced. You always practice, you know, scoring your first touchdowns. You never practice 
the celebration or, you know, anything. You don't know what to do. You don't know if to give the ball. I, I think I held the ball, like, all the way to the sideline. I didn't. It was just a shock. But um, no, everything was great. Um, I, I enjoyed everything. So when you score that first, like you said, you've watched it a lot. Like, do you still remember that? Like, do you think back to that first touchdown often? And how often do you actually watch it still? I do. Anytime, like, I see it or it comes up or a highlight or, you know, anything on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I watch it and try to go back to that place. And it's just from watching TV and watching sports and being so involved with sports my whole life growing up and trying to imagine what it would be like to score my first touchdown, trying to imagine what it would be like to score a punt return touchdown and having it happen. It's just, like, it's surreal. Um can't really describe it. It's just almost like, dang, is that me, like, running the ball? Is that me in the People's Jones jersey? Um, it's crazy. It was very fun, very exciting. Do you, do you still have the ball from that? Like, yeah. Yeah, because I don't remember. I don't remember. It's been a while since I covered colleges where they let you keep game balls. Like, in the NFL, by the way, you can keep every ball that you score. I don't know if you can do that in college or not. Nah, I don't have the ball from that. Do you wish you had it? Because that would seem like it'd be something you might want. <laughs> Um, nah. Nah. No. So, since you were talking about punt returns, walk me through what you see. Because I think people really know you for your return ability. What do you see when you return a punt? Like, yeah. what do you, walk me through from the moment the ball snapped. So, from watching film and studying, um, I know kind of like where he's going to punt the ball, um, depending on the formation or depending on, you know, how he catches the ball and turns to one side or, um, even studying individually punters, how they punt it off their foot and where it goes from off their foot. Um, so watching that, I, I would see the ball um, go into their hand, watch them take their steps. I would kind of peek at the gunners a little bit to see if the gunners got a clean release or not um, to let me know. If the gunners get a clean release, then that means they'll be down there quicker. Um, if the gunners are getting held up, that means they have a little bit more time to catch the ball and run with it. So I would look at that, um, watch the punt, come off with the punter's foot. After that, I'm tracking it in the air, but then I'm still taking a quick glance at the gunners to make sure and see like how far they are away before I have to focus on the ball all the way and catch the ball. And then catching the ball is pretty much judging it. I'm looking it in all the way, making sure, okay, do I have enough time and space to catch this? Do I have to fair catch it? Do I have to poison it if it's a bad kick? Uh, all of those things go through my head. and uh, At the end of the day, just make the best decision for the team. So... At what point do you have to make a decision on a fair catch? Like, how quickly do you wait? Because some guys will do it really quick if they see the gunner get off the line. And some guys will wait. Like, for you, what is it? I'll wait. I'll wait until I can't fair catch anymore. Um, not really scared of taking a hit. Not really scared of any of that, those type of things. But um, sometimes, you know, the ball will sail up there a little bit more, and you have to wait. Um, Sometimes you don't have to wait. Sometimes he'll sky it up, and you can tell that, you know, by the trajectory that it won't be very deep, and you know, okay, automatically I got to run up there and fair catch this. Um, so it depends. How, how do you learn how to do that? Like, is that film watching? Is that just experience? I would say experience, um, being comfortable, um, just having that knack to uh, track the ball in the air. Do you, like, Early on when you were doing it, maybe it was in high school or whatever, like were there times you got lit up because you didn't know what you were doing? Or um, did you kind of always know? Never really got lit up, but there was times where uh, 
I didn't fair catch it, and maybe I should have. I don't know, but I got out of it. Um, something about like when you don't fair catch it, you have like a spark of adrenaline. He's like, okay, like I, I got to get out of here, and you end up making a mess. And it's like, yeah, it was risky, but it ended up working. You know, is there a one punt return there where you did that, whether it was in high school or college, that you were like, yeah, I got real lucky there? Um, it was a couple my freshman year versus Florida, and I was just catching everything. Like I wasn't really playing that much on offense, and I'm like, man, if I get to touch this ball, I don't care where it is. I don't care if I have to jump over someone and catch it. I'm catching it. I'm trying to score. Um, so that game, I was just catching everything. I was catching Thing, punts that it was one punt that was like on the four yard line, one punt that was about a yard from the sideline. I was just catching it and spinning and running, just doing whatever it took. How do you view your career at Michigan? Uh, I'm blessed to have gone to Michigan. Um, everything, you know, from school to athletics, um, learned so much from so many different people, um, learned so much from so many different coaches. Um, love my teammates. Um, I feel like they have a lot of love and respect for me. And, um, I enjoy my time. Do you, do you think that your career will is what you thought it might be when um, you came here, though? I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, I had a great time. Met the coaches that, you know, had, had a great impact on me. Um, and I, I just love every moment with my teammates. And, you know, I, I go in there in the facility from time to time and just seeing old faces like, hey, like, how you doing, man? It's just they're so proud for me and I'm so proud for them. And, you know, can't wait to see them ball out next year. Yeah, I was just wondering on the field because you didn't have, you didn't have a hundred yard game while you're at Michigan, and the team offensively didn't really produce a ton. So that's why I was just wondering, especially with that receiver core you came in with, how you felt about it. Yeah. So when you're coming out now, like what goes into that decision to leave after three years? Um, I left because I felt that I was ready. Um, simple as that. Uh, it's something that I've loved to do ever since a very young age. Um, and I, I feel that I'm, I'm so ready. When you're, when you're making that decision, is it kind of like an automatic after three years? Like when you kind of even came in, did you say, this is my plan? Or did it take a lot of thought? Or um, No, it, it, it didn't. It wasn't my plan. Uh, I waited till after the last game, after Alabama, to even consider anything. Um, it was never my plan. I, you know, I wanted to stay as long as I needed to. I wanted to stay um, and, and feel good about my my decision, and I feel good about my decision. Um, I love everything about Michigan, um, and I'm so excited for the future. Who who did you who do you consult when you're making? Because that's a massive life decision, right? Like, who do you consult when you're sitting down and saying, "Okay, I need to make maybe the biggest decision of my life." Um, I feel like you have to know yourself. Um, first of all, you have to pray about it. You have to talk with your family and your coaches as well. Um, within that within that circle, I think that's how a decision is made. So, like you mentioned at Cast Tech, you had a bunch of guys that have gone to college and then who actually have made the NFL. How much do you talk to them when you're, A, making that decision, and now that you're in the draft process, talking to guys like Jordan Lewis or, or Jalen O'Hill to kind of say, hey, walk me through this year. I'm yeah. only going blind. Um, a lot, all the time. Um, I'm a person that isn't scared to ask a question. I'm a person that, you know, can understand that, yeah, I've, I got all of these big brother figures. You know, why not use them? Why not ask them? They've been through it. They for sure don't mind me asking them, and they for sure will give me their honest opinion. Um, and that help, has helped so much, um, really a lot.
What's the best piece of advice those guys have given you? Because follow, they, they're not that far removed from this themselves. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Um, you know what you want to do. And, and follow that. Follow your gut. Follow your intuition. Um, and don't make a decision, you know, that you're unprepared for. Um, that's why I like to get all my T's crossed, all my I's dotted. Was there, a, within the draft process, was there a piece of advice that they gave you that stuck out to? Because, I mean, follow your heart would seem like more like making the decision than this. Mm-hmm. Was there a piece of draft advice they gave you? What do you mean draft advice? Like, as far as, like, through the process of saying, hey, like, don't do this, do this, like, watch out for this, or this is what I experienced, so be, you know, be aware. Um, really, just be yourself. Um, you know, if, you, if you're yourself at all times, then that's you. You know, you're not selling yourself short. You're not overselling yourself. Um, you know, if you're asked questions in different type of ways, you know, you're not saying this for this and something else for that. You know, if you're yourself and you're always honest, um, that'll take you a long way. And that's, what, that's probably the biggest advice that I've, I've got. Is that, I mean, I'm guessing that's just kind of how you've always been anyway, or did that did that kind of hit home a little bit more of saying, okay, maybe I need to do this or that? Yeah, it kind of hit home. Um, you know, just learning yourself, learning, you know, how you how you are, learning how you react to things, learning. It, I think it's really about knowing yourself, having this, you know, ideal protocol of what you are and how close you actually are to that. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. So how, like, does it feel... What does it feel like now that you are really close to, like a month from now, in theory, you're going to be at least an NFL draft pick, if not an official NFL player. That'll maybe be a couple months later. But like that you're that close to it, what's that feel like? Uh, it feels good. I mean, it's just a dream come true. Um, it's crazy to think that it came this fast, but um, something that I'm definitely ready for. Did you play Madden growing up? Like, would you put yourself in Madden like, as I a did. kid? I did. I did. You did? I did. As a as a tight end, as a receiver, no. <laughs> as a receiver, part returner, um, all those things. So, would you like jack up your stats and like make yourself like a ninety nine and everything, or like I what would, would you? I would try to really um, go through like be real meticulous about every every detail. You know, I wouldn't. I felt my speed and you know my jumping and my explosiveness was up there, but you know if, if it was something else that wasn't up there, you know I would want it to be honest about it. So. I didn't want to, like, oversell myself on Madden, and I wanted to see, like, okay, what would I be like? So what team would you put yourself on? Um, I actually don't even remember. Um, I'm not even sure that, like, teams really mattered. Um, right. I think that a lot of times you would play, like, it's a certain Madden mode. They would draft you, and it would be random. Like, yeah. it's not like, okay, I want to play for this team or this team. It was like, yeah, you're finishing up college. You know, you would pick your college, and then you would go and get drafted, um, kind of like how it is in the real world. So I, I never really played the the, um, the modes where you make a certain player on a certain team. Yeah. I would go through the, um, you know, the, the real football modes. How, how old were you when you were doing this? Was this, like, when you were, like, a kid, or was it, like, last year? Uh, no, so I haven't played video games a lot in the past couple of years, but – yeah, middle school, elementary, um, and even a little bit in high school. Not as much though. But you know. obviously, you're from Detroit. Like, with the going to the Lions, would that have a different type of impact to you? Just because literally it would be home, or and you've 
played games in Ford Field before? You've won a state title in Ford Field? I would be blessed to go wherever. Yeah. Um, wherever it would be, you know, everything I could ever imagine. Um, not one set place. So I look at it like that, you know. It doesn't matter where I go. Um, I can't say one team will be everything to me and the other team won't. Like, no, yeah. any team will be everything to me. Yeah, no, I wasn't asking it like that. I was, I was just curious whether, like, you had started now as this becomes more real of thinking, like, what it would be like to be in Detroit if that were to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, any team would be great, yeah. honestly. For you, what's your pregame routine? Do you have one? Um, I like to visualize. I like to listen to music. I like to um, be calm going into a game. Um, I like to talk to some of my friends, you know. And, you know, not be so tight, you know, joke around a little bit maybe. Um, and just have fun. I, I try to think of game days as like, you know, you go through school, you know, you go through everything, study, studying at night and school in the morning. Saturdays is like your your day to come alive, you know. Um, it's what I love to do, and it's almost like a party. I think of Saturday as like Saturday morning is like a party. Like this is something that I really like doing. It's something that I couldn't wait the whole week for um and try to make it that way have fun um, go out there and you know do your best so what music are you listening to you have like the same set playlist every week has it been like that or is it same genre or is it whatever comes on spotify or um so i have a couple different artists that i like to listen to but it's not a certain song or anything like that um i like to listen to drake before games but i'm creative so I, it'll like some 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 songs will have like some lyrics about a team or about a state, and I'll make sure I listen to that. You know, so I don't know why I just I just do that. That's it always. When did that did that just start in college or was that in high school too? Like you'd find stuff about like Ford when you were playing like Fordson or something stupid like that. Yeah, uh, it's always been like in the creative side of me. Um, yeah, I picked up in college. How else are you creative? Like you said, you have a creative side to you. Yeah, I like art. Um, I really like drawing a lot. Uh, I want to get into painting for fashion, just mixing different colors, mixing different. I'm, I'm super open, so I like trying new things, and I feel like that's all everything art is about, you know, being open to different methods, being open to different things, abstract ideas, concrete ideas, all everything. Like, life is art, um, and I love art, love colors. Um, yeah. Did you take any art classes at Michigan? Not at Michigan, no, sir. Um, but I, I did have worked with a few artists, um, you know, outside of school. But I, I took some art classes in, like, high school and middle school. When you say work with artists, what type of artists are you talking about? Because, obviously, art's such a wide genre. Yeah. So, like, custom clothes, um, custom paintings. Uh, I got my mom a nice painting for Christmas. Uh, working with a painter up here at Michigan, uh, which was really cool. Um, but I like to do a lot of custom clothing pieces, shoes, jackets, um, anything. So like, fa so obviously, have you taken fashion design classes then, or? Nah. Okay. I don't think that's something that's just natural, you know, <laughs> something that you can't really. It's either you got it or you don't. How did you get into that? I don't know. Um, my mom swears that she taught it to me, but I don't think so. Like, I really don't. Um, but no, ever since a kid, I just loved. I would always like matching my shoes with my outfit, so I would always get like my shoes first. And then match everything up with that. And I think that's kind of how it started. Uh, I went to a private school, and we wore uniforms. So we would either have you know, a red shirt, yellow shirt, blue shirt, white shirt, 
or whatever color shirt, and I would always pick out my shoes and then match the shirt with it. Um, so I always love matching. I always, honestly, I've liked not matching too as much as I've liked matching. So I think that's where it started. My mom used to be like, "Yeah, you're not matching. You know why you got this baggy shirt on, these small pants on?" And it's like she didn't know what I was doing. She didn't know why I was doing it. She thought I was just throwing stuff on. And I'm like, "No, like it's a, it's an art to this, you know." And now. You know, that's kind of the style and bigger shoes and skinnier pants and, you know, just stuff like that. So you had a plan. So wait, so is this like an elementary school and middle school? That, yeah. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So like you had a plan as far back as then of like what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what would that, like when you go to Castec and you theoretically you can wear whatever you want at Castec, like were you just like, oh my God, I have, I have freedom now. Like was that? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good thing and a bad thing because yeah, you had more freedom, but that meant that, you know, you had to buy more stuff and, you know, I don't know. But now you could make some match whatever you wanted. And it was more of a dress code. So, you know, we had to wear some type of like either khaki, brown or, or black pants. Or, you know, the shirt had to be a collared shirt. But, you know, you didn't have to wear, you know, a shirt with this logo or shoes with this logo. You could wear anything you want as long as they match the color guidelines. you talking about Cass or? At Cass. Okay. Cass, so. so when that... Like, how many pairs of shoes? And I'm assuming this is continued. How many pairs of shoes do you have? Like, do you have? <laughs> I don't know. I have more than fifty, maybe even close to a hundred. For real? Yeah. Do you have like a favorite pair? Or are you one of those people that like I'm only wearing it like twice, three times, and it goes in a box, and it's I'm not touching it. Like, well, I have these shoes that I just designed. They came in not too long ago. That are they're like a lavender purple color, and um, I really like them. Uh, I really like them because I designed them, and um, yeah, those are really cool. But other than that, I really like the Travis Scott Air Force Ones. Um, they just have so many different colors in them, so many different fabrics. They have like a suede, like a velvet in them. They have like a corduroy in them, all in one shoe. Um, it either has like a zipper over the over the shoelaces, and it has a button on the back. It's just all over the place, you know. So wait, the sh- the shoes you designed were those the, that you just got, the lavender shoes. A, were those more sneakers? Were those dress shoes? Were those... Yeah, they were definitely sneakers. Okay. Yeah. So when you say shoes, you're talking mostly sneakers? Sneakers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sir. So were those the first pair of shoes that you really ever designed? Or is that just like the latest in like a line of Donovan Peoples-Jones? Like latest in the line. Yeah, definitely latest in the line. Have people asked to like buy your designs? Has that ever come up? Or um, So no, I design them, but... I tell the artist what I want on them and where I want it. Um, so they, I mean, if they were buying it, they would be buying it from them because mm-hmm. I don't actually paint it and um, use the stencils, but I do tell them where I want it and how I want it. I meant more like when you're, say, you're wearing them around, right? Mm-hmm. Like people see them be like, where'd you get those? Yeah, like, yeah. I want them. Yeah, they'll definitely be like, where'd you get those? How can I get them? And I'm like, one of one, like you really can't. You got to design your own. Uh, have you ever been tempted to just be like, well, 200 bucks? <laughs> I'll oversell those things because it's they're really priceless you know I I like them because I designed them I like them because they're very unique and I mean it's not really a money type of thing associated with them do you I mean obviously in college I and I apologize for not knowing this but you can't like design your own cleats or anything like that in college no sir is that something that like kind of is maybe ancillary benefit for you like in the NFL theoretically you can obviously within some color guidelines design cleats and design some of that like is that something you're like ooh, that could be interesting for me 
Um, I think NFL still has really strict guidelines on what you can wear and what you can't wear, which is fine with me. Yeah, that's what I've been doing my whole life. Um, I'm not sure that I think some guys are like getting fined for wearing, you know, design cleats or, you know, some different type of cleats. So I'm not sure how that works. Okay, yeah, no, because sometimes, well, they have, they have a cleats week where you can basically wear whatever you want for causes yeah. and whatever, but mm-hmm. beyond that, you can, like, at least during warm-ups, at least have cleats oh, that yeah. are, like, designed. So I wasn't sure if you were like, ooh, I'm, yeah, my first game, I know what I'm doing, like. Uh, that's not really my focus right now, yeah. but um, I could see me maybe doing a little something. Down the road? Yeah, maybe. What's, what's the best piece of trash? And this could go back to high school or whatever. Like, the best piece of trash talk that anyone's ever said to you. Um, well, we were getting ready for the state championship. This was my senior year. Um, senior year in high school. We were playing Catholic Central. And we were warming up or something. And you know, I was messing around. And it was a ball that I tried to like stay in bounds and catch at the same time, and it was a little bit out of the reach. But I didn't want to do too much, and you know, and try to you know stride out or um, dive for a ball in warm ups. So I tried to catch the ball while staying in bounds, and it was just a little bit too far, and I I dropped it, and it was right by the CC's um, student section, and I was jogging back, and they were just chanting overrated. And, like, they were just clapping and screaming at me and, you know, you're the worst, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was hilarious. It just chanting overrated. So, so it wasn't even, like, another player. It was No, students. it was a whole student section, yeah. <laughs> Did that motivate you in some ways? Like, uh, I mean, a little bit. I was just laughing. That, that was just funny to me. I'd never seen that or heard that. So when, you, when that happens, like, in that game, like, did you ever, like, glance over after you made a catch and be like, What's up? Uh, I can't remember if I did that. I don't think so. Um, I was locked in, but no, nah, it was good to get the win after they turned overrated. Uh, did you had two touchdowns that game? Are you a talker on the field or no? Nah, I'm not a big talker. Not nah, not a big talker. Were guys yapping at you on the college level though? Uh, a little bit here and there. What's the worst piece of trash talk you've ever? Because those I find when I ask guys that, they're just like, oh, man, you, you would never believe. Um, okay, so uh, Penn State corner. So my buddy that I grew up with, Donovan Johnson, um, me and him played Little League. We played, um, we played high school together. Uh, we both went to the Army All-American game. He's like really my guy. Yeah. And he goes to Penn State. He's a corner. Mm-hmm. And we're playing Penn State. And... Um, He's his his roommate, Tariq Castro Fields, I think his name. Um, so me and Donovan are really close, and you know he knows I have a dog named Foofy, and which is I don't know why I got the dog from someone, so I didn't name him Foofy. But um, I was playing, and I ran a route or something, and I think he said like, um, "I'll punt Foofy," and he said that, and like I looked over, like, "How do you know my dog's name is Foofy?" Like no one knows that, like unless you're really close to me. And, that was kind of funny. Like, I'm like, what? Like, did he say Foofy? And that was, that was actually kind of funny. Wait, wait. So you were more bothered that he knew your dog's name than the fact that he said he would punch your dog. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, no one knows that. Like, how did you know that? That was just weird. So it not, was funny, though. But not that he, like, was going to, like, punch your dog like Baxter and Anchorman. I mean, that's just, you know, 
He's just saying that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not worried about nobody punting my dog. But it was, yeah, it was funny that he knew my dog's name was Foofy. So when you tell people that your dog's name is Foofy, what's generally the reaction? They just look at me like Foofy. Like, who, who would name their dog Foofy? And I had to reassure them that I didn't name the dog. You know. What, what type of dog is, is Foofy? Uh, it's a Shih Tzu. It's a Shih Tzu? How old is Foofy? <sighs> Foofy's old. Foofy's has to be at least 12. Really? So is it like family dog then? Or? Yeah, I got I got him from a family member, and they couldn't have um, dogs in their apartment, so they gave him to me, and I just had a dog pass, so oh, it was perfect timing. When did you? So when did you take ownership of Foofy then? Ever since I got him. Oh, ever since I got him. Okay. Well, you know, I, so what, that's why I'm at. Like, have you had it because twelve? Like, did you have him for twelve years? Have you had him for twelve years or like uh, five? Or I'd probably say. So he's twelve. I had him for probably at least ten. Really? I want to say at least ten. Yeah. He lived. He lived with you in Michigan in the whole day. Yes, sir. What was that like? I know that can be like a pain in the butt sometimes taking care of a dog. Like be like, oh, I gotta go home. Oh no, at Michigan, no yeah. sir. Oh, you're not okay. So no. I, okay. No, no, he didn't live with me at, um, on campus. Okay, yeah, I just wasn't sure. If, oh no. Okay, so back. He so he's back in Detroit. Yep. What do you? What should people know about you? Because I think a lot of people have seen you play. But what should people know about you that maybe they don't realize or don't recognize? Uh, I'm really explosive and I'm really versatile on the field, off the field. Uh, I feel like I'm really humble. I feel like um, a person you would want to be around an organization, um, honestly. Well, Donovan, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck over the next month. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank my guest from today's show, former Michigan receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. As I explained at the top of this interview, things have changed so much since we did that interview just a couple of weeks ago. You can follow Donovan on Twitter at D Peoples-Jones. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein and on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. You can also follow the show at The Michael Rothstein Show Facebook group. Feel free to give us five-star reviews on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, subscribe, download, rate, all of those things as we continue to grow this and try to find interesting guests for you. Thanks, as always, to my producer, David Woodley, and to Regents Field and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast and to Bet Online AG for sponsoring this episode. And with that, we'll chat with you again on Thursday. Thursday.